Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. <laughs> I'm goofy. And here we go. Here we go. Here we go again. Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. Rob Sanders of Fox Sports Radio 1400. And to his right or left, whichever way he is. Above me. Is he? No, no he's beside you. No, he's he's a, he actually technically is above me. I'm looking up. Owner. Because he's standing up. <laughs> Mazda of Columbia, Greg Hood. What's good under the hood, man? Man, yeah. life is good. Life is good. And getting better. Yeah. That's my good. positive spin after last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be gonna great. Better. Hey. Exactly. All right. So we have interesting stuff to talk about today. And, you know, if you go back a couple of episodes, because unlike some folks, we don't charge you for an archive. You can go and check out every there single edition. Who- there are people who charge for archives? Yeah, for the, to go back and listen to certain episodes really? of podcasts. Yes, they do. If we could, we would, but we can't right now. Maybe one day. Well, okay. Well, now you no, know. we won't. No, okay. we won't. Well, people to go back and grab whatever. But if you go back and you look at the uh, the Carvana episode, I believe, uh, I can't remember the exact episode number. I it was wrote probably it 10, 11 ago, maybe. Yeah. I think it was back in uh, like February. Okay. But go back and check out that episode. And I'll tell you why, because Greg actually came out and said, I don't know how this Carvana thing is going to work. It's a mess, as I think the term that you. Uh, that well, you we were talking there. about titles. And, right. And that was one of the real problems they're having. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's but there's uh, there's more stuff happening there. there. There certainly is. And the big thing with this is that they're laying off a, a, a Good bit of folks. Twelve percent of their employees. Yeah, twenty five hundred, and executives will forego their salaries for the rest of the year. Wow. Uh, and this, of course, happened uh, this past week. I mean, when you what do you want to bet? The word is bonus, not salary. They're, uh, they're paying them. It says forego salaries in the headline. Yeah, I, well, but you know what? Sometimes uh, things are incorrect. <clears throat> National Enquirer. Okay. New York Times. You know, my, my airship on three to four with Fox Sports Radio 1400. The hour podcast right here. Uh, but no, no I, mean, I mean, I'm I, just, I I'm just, from, I'm just taking a guess at that. I, I doubt if they're not paying them, but they could. It says the online used vehicle retailer will transition operations away from a few of its logistics hubs and from its inspection and reconditioning center in Euclid. I hope that's how I pronounce that correctly. Ohio. How's it spelled? E U C L I D. Well, with it's, Euclid. it's Euclid. Euclid. Okay. Euclid. Euclid. Well, it's Euclid. Where are you I, from? I, I'm from <laughs> Euclid. I channeled my inner Mississippi there, Andy, and there, wondered that. There you go. But, yeah. no, well, but, there, but there's so there's multiple reasons behind this. First of all, sure. may I? Okay. Please. They're bleeding like a stuck pig. That's the first thing. They lost, what, $508 million this quarter or first quarter? Is that what it was? I think it was 508 That's a lot of money. I don't care how you slice it for any company. What would cause them to lose all that money? They're selling cars. They sell them at the wrong, wrong price or what? Well, well, I, I did uh, I did a little research on that, too. I'm Mr. Show Prep number one right now. I'm way right. ahead of you, Andy. I know. And Always. one of the things I did is I because they're publicly traded, you can go in and look at their uh, there's PDFs that you can open up that show all their conversations they have with their uh, shareholders. And you can see all the nuts and bolts of it. So. They did an interesting thing. First of all, one of the things I was curious about, I they sold 400 and something thousand cars last year, which is a lot. 
um, in one market, I think Atlanta, they have 3.5% of the market share, which is a big, big deal. Um, but they only have 30 places that they do business out of. So one of the things they did three months ago, and it's just now been completed, is they bought Odessa Auctions, uh, auto auctions. There's Odessa is, I think, the second largest one. If I'm, I could be wrong, but I think so. Mannheim is the biggest. Um, but a lot of auctions are going to online, like ACV is the one I use most. Uh, but I and I really, for the life of me, couldn't figure out why they would want that play other than having first dibs at a car. But it doesn't make it seem right on an auction basis. Matter of fact, I'd have a little concern if I was buying it at a Dessa auction that you know they're not getting the inside skinny on a car, and the auctioneer cuts it off on them, and they get the car. I mean, they can do a lot of crazy things. I saw envelopes years ago passing through hands between auctioneers and people that were selling cars. So, you know, there's, there's some crazy stuff in that online that can't happen. It's a whole lot more controlled and you don't know anybody, you know, like I said before, you're not bidding against the Coke machine, but I did learn something. And that was, is that the reason that they bought the auction had more to do with logistics and with um, reconditioning. So if they have a reconditioning center in Euclid, Ohio, they have to take all this inventory they buy and then they have to bring it to this location. They have to truck it and then they have to recondition it or get rid of the ones they don't want either way. I mean, cause they don't keep everything just like I don't. And then they have to redistribute the cars as people buy them or, or to go put them in their, their machines that they've got. So that's a pretty expensive proposition moving cars around. I mean, CarMax does it too. They move cars around a lot, but you have to pay a deposit to get them to go there. And other than that, I don't know how they balance their inventory. But what I did read, though, is by buying Odessa, they are within 50 miles of every um, of 58% of the population in the United States. So now if they send cars to these, and, and auctions are reconditioning centers. You, you've got a big piece of property out there. You've got mechanics, and there's detailers, and also dealers can pay to have this stuff done. Well, now they've got this built-in resource for, uh, distribution and movement of their cars and reconditioning of the cars. And it is not, um, I mean, it's, it's a whole lot more economically feasible if they're going to do it that way. So it made a lot of sense to me in why they paid $2.2 billion. And where the rub comes in is they paid $2.2 billion for a business. They're losing 500 million and a quarter and they laid off 2,500 people. There's a disconnect for most people in that, as there was for me when I heard about it, but that then math when it doesn't add up, but okay. Okay. Well, well, but, but well, I'll give you the math because I did write this down. This is important. Um, in August, their stock price was $376. Tuesday was 40 bucks. Holy. Hell. So what's changed? Um, their business models got problems. They need to shed, um, their expenses enormously. So I also did another piece of research because just out of curiosity, I wanted to do a comparison of how many cars AutoNation has and how many employees AutoNation has. So Carvana is a predominantly online business, right? Now they're moving people, moving cars and they're reconditioning cars, but a car dealership in general, I would think would be more labor intensive than because if you have a facility and you each one of them and they have 30 places where AutoNation and I didn't look at the number, but the last time I looked, I think around 375, um, maybe more, but 375 uh, car dealerships across the United States. Lithia is another one who may have just passed them. But my point is 
they have about 26,000 employees, which means they have AutoNation, which means they have about the same amount that Carvana did, doing Carvana doing less uh, volume than they did. So I think whatever their model is, I would have thought it would have been um, way better labor-wise since most of it is online. Um, so I think they, I think they overstaffed uh, to do what they do. I don't think they were running real efficiently, if I have to guess. So shedding 2,500 bodies and that is ter- tragic as that is that people are losing their jobs. They can, they'll, they'll bleed into the automotive industry elsewhere if that's what they choose to do. I mean, especially if they're, um, you know, online marketing savvy or online savvy, there'll, there'll be some benefits for us out there in, in picking up those people. I won't see them around here, but just in general in the car business. But I, but then I tripped over something that I had no idea of. And that was, I, cause I was, as I was looking for the statistics, I went to AutoNation and I pulled up uh, their, um, you know, letter to their shareholders. And as I went through it, I did not realize they owned a pretty good chunk of Varum, which is the competitor at Carvana. Now they've sold off all of it now. They sold it in kind of two tranches, but they sold uh, their interest in that company. But I had no idea that they were involved in a competitor to them, basically, um, and an online digital retailer. Um, and maybe they did it just to learn something, and they profited from the sale, too. Um, but they may have learned how to actually do what they're doing and then go, okay, we don't need you anymore. I don't know. That's just speculation. I'm just guessing. But um, they were able to shed the rest of it and then move on. But they were um, definitely in that same that realm of uh, digital retailing. Well, it's interesting, though, because you said this is a mess, and now it's come to fruition. You are the Nostradamus of car dealers. Yeah, remember what I said about GM last week? Yeah, it was pretty much GM will be out of business in 10 years. Well, I, I want to tell you, and I think it was a month. I'm going to have to go back. But I was watching <laughs> something, and it's made the statement that you know GM is pushing this electric vehicle thing so hard. Uh, they think they're going to be Tesla and they're going to dominate the market. But last month, I think, and I, I could be incorrect on the month, but so don't come unglued on me. But last month, I believe they sold a total of 400 electric vehicles. That's it? Nationwide? Yeah. That sucks. So, well, that, what does that tell you? That tells you that they are trying to, they're making up a demand. They're going to have cars stacking up. They actually have inventory um, stacking up. Unfortunately, it's the wrong kind of inventory. So this Hummer thing hasn't gone the way they wanted to. It's a cool looking car. I mean, I like them, um, but they're not, that's not on fire. Um, you know, and then they're going to regulate how a Silverado is sold. I just think, you know, that CEO, I can't remember her name, but she's just hell bent for leather on making this thing into an electric company. And when the core of her business is internal combustion, she's going to fail. And, and I think that probably the idea that, um, and this is not a sexist comment. I think the idea that she's a woman in charge, they're going to be reluctant to make a move there because it doesn't smell good. You know, this woke crap going on. It just doesn't look well. If we replace a woman, that means she failed. So we can't do that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I got to tell you something. She's got to go. Respectfully, though, numbers don't have a gender. And, I, I'm in it. W- and if you can see that, ask, hey, we ask sold Disney. Four- hey, ask Disney. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I just think that if you can look at it from a perspective of, we were here, you made these changes. Now we sold 400 EVs in a month. That's not working. I mean, I, I don't care if you, if you have stripes on you, it's not going to work. You're going to kill the company. Somebody has to 
has to. Uh, well, the shareholders may at some point step. At some in. point, okay, they got to do that. You got to go. But I'm just telling you. I mean, you know what? Maybe they're in lockstep with her. Maybe they go. Oh yeah, this is the thing to do. But as you and I discussed earlier, it, and it's really relevant. You know, the guy who's making it happen is uh, Tesla. So with Tesla, with Musk doing his deal with Tesla, he made a product based and built and grew based upon demand. You know, he may have kind of made the best looking product, but he's got something going in his favor. That is a status symbol to have a Tesla. Would you agree? Yep. Absolutely. It's also um, unaffordable for most people. But and and I also stated to you that people that drive Teslas a lot of times are altruistic. Well, you altruism does not play into a guy's life who makes $45,000 a year and has uh, a wife and a child and is trying to pay his bills and he can't pay 60 grand for an electric vehicle. Therefore that creates a different demand. You, you use, give me that shoe example you use for uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, I knew, so, I knew half the story. I didn't know whole, the, the whole story. So Shaquille O'Neal had at one point a deal with Reebok where he, I, I I can't remember the terms, but it was basically when he was, yeah, it was like 300 million bucks. It was crazy yeah. money. So, and he, he said, um, he went to Reebok because some mom yelled at him from the stands and says, Hey, why don't you guys make some shoes that young people can afford? And he goes, you know what? You're right. So he says, I called Reebok and I told him, I don't want to do this anymore. I, you know, I'll wear your shoes through the end of the year. Here's your money back. I'm going to make my own shoe. And he said, I ended up going to uh, Walmart and they were the ones that were able to help me uh, carry the, the, the Shaq brand of shoes. And he goes, yeah, we made a cheaper shoe. But in the end, he ended up going back because they were such a cheap shoe. And it was, hey, you're, you're wearing the Shaq shoe from Walmart. And, you know, with with kids, it's like, I don't want to wear the Shaq shoe from it's Walmart. It's a status symbol for exactly. a shoe. Exactly. Hell, it was when I was a kid. Yeah. Listen, I we had one kid on my on my basketball team who wore Converse All Stars. Now Converse All Star now is a cool shoe, yeah. but it was a canvas shoe. Well, you know, I had to have Adidas Superstars, or when I was wearing my regular shoes. Uh, well, I mean, we wanted the Kareem Abdul Jabbar. They were the ones mm -hmm. that were the high top version yeah. of them, and they were a hundred and something dollars then. And you know, I'm begging my mom for a pair of these shoes, and we all wore really good shoes, and we were wearing. I had the Nike white leather Cortez. I mean, they were important then. And here we are only seven years later because <laughs> um, I just, I shouldn't hit that. Sure. I just graduated high school, but anyway, but we, you know, they were a big deal then. So they're still a big deal now. So yeah. But I mean, correct. it's, it's the, the way that it comes out is that kids didn't end up buying the shoe because you can go and get it at, at Walmart. So That's who, who out. had the great idea at general motors and I'm going to throw Ford into the mix. I'll throw all the manufacturers in the mix, but particularly GM and Ford, who weren't even playing in that arena. Right. Toyota was with hybrid and, you know, they'd been uh, going. Trying. Yeah. Well, they were successful. I mean, Prius is the other one. Right. And, but that was also a status symbol that will also send a message, but it was, I don't think it was a status symbol because of what it looked like. No, it was because of what you were doing, your contribution. Yeah. Tesla's look actually pretty good. I mean, that's a good looking car. Yeah. Listen, when I was doing my other business, I mean, I had, I had dealings with Ed Begley Jr. Great guy. And they drove a Prius and then he built some kind of electric car that he had, you know, I mean, they were, that was the big deal back in the green movement early that you knew you, Ed Begley jr. I still know him. I mean, he really, is well, he yeah. an odd guy? Yes, but he's a very nice guy. Yeah. That's what I understand. Now it was cool. I got to hold his father's Oscar cause I was in his house and I really? saw it sitting there 
And uh, it was actually, they were, uh, I believe it was wood, but they, they aren't the fancy things they are now. It was kind of chipped up and all that stuff. But I had my Oscar accepted speech holding that in my hand. <laughs> uh, but super guy, just just a great guy. Um, but he, but he, there's a guy who walked the walk. I mean, did he profit from it? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Absolutely. But he lived it. He absolutely lived it. You know, he he was, you know, doing all that. He had cisterns and he was growing food and everything you could think of to save energy. Um, he had a really cool. Um, countertop in his house that was made out of recycled glass and you could see the glass pieces in it and it was very colorful it was very pretty um so he he was a cool guy but what i'm saying about so you got toyota on this side and you you know the leaf didn't make it i mean god that was awful nissan pulling that um thing but everybody's ripping toward this (laughs) What you want to say, turd? You want to oh, call I, it a turd? I was, I I was going to call it something else, but we're trying to keep it a yeah, family show yeah. here. A turd with wheels—that's my <laughs> thing. I yeah. often say, you know, I mean, but there—that is, um, I just don't not understanding their market as far as what I can tell. I mean, I my sister owned a um, a Bolt, a Bolt, Volt, a Volt, she owned a Volt, not yeah. a Bolt. Bolt is a little one. Volt is what she owned. I, I call and then you have the Jolt and the Anyway. And he's adult. He's adult. That was the other one. <laughs> I've been accused. Yeah, of that. So anyway, you know, and she loved the car. It was a neat car. I get it. But that doesn't mean that you've got some crazy demand and they're also not making them cheap enough. So, and, and, you know, it doesn't work in the Midwest. If you're out in the middle of the, the boonies, you know, you, they just don't have enough um, charging stations. charging stations. And then here you were, I mentioned in an earlier podcast, you know, talking about the unintended consequences. And one of them is, you know, the electricity, the electricity comes from somewhere. It's made from something, but we won't talk about the environmental side of that. What we'll talk about is now they're warning us. You're starting to hear it right now about brownouts and, and um, running out of electricity in multiple States, uh, particularly California. Uh, again, they're priming the pump. Well, so if I got an electric car and I can't charge it, I got another problem. So, um, you know, it's, it's careening towards something that isn't particularly good in my humble opinion. Yeah. I, the thing that gets me with all that is uh, you can't fly anywhere in an electric plane. You can't haul goods in an electric truck. It's well, but it's you know what? They're very close to that. The, the, let me tell you this with a truck. If yeah. they can figure out the battery situation, <laughs> the torque of an electric motor yeah. far about, I mean, by far exceeds anything that could be delivered by a diesel engine. And talking about, you know, in California where I was, you know, we occasionally I would go from Northern California to Southern California and drive over the grapevine. When I was a little kid, we'd go over the grapevine to visit my uncle uh, who lived in Brea, but we'd go over the grapevine and I see trucks in the slow lane where, I mean, the driver could have gone out and walked next to it. They were in the lowest gear climbing that hill because they didn't have the power. Now you see them (laughs) ripping up over the top of the mountain and they're doing 60, 70 miles an hour. That's pretty cool. But an electric vehicle, the power they have, a hill wouldn't slow them down. The torque curve is flat and it's big and it could be pretty interesting. And Tesla's coming out with one. Um, there's a couple other people that are dabbling. Remember we talked about there's one here in South Carolina uh, being involved in development of uh, big rigs. So true. I, don't, I don't think that's all bad. And another uh, cool, how much time do we have? Um, we were doing all right. Yeah, we got a couple minutes. I got right. a conference call in eight minutes, <clears throat> so feel free to go thirty because I don't want to. I don't want to be on the conference call anyway. 
<laughs> Sorry, folks, you're gonna have a longer podcast today <laughs> due to the fact that Andy doesn't want to do the conference yeah. call. Um, but I was talking about uh, earlier about something I also saw that I didn't realize. Um, when I lived in California, I'd been to the Salton Sea out in Imperial County, down in uh, the bottom part of Southern California. And there's a lake, a sea, a lake um, out there that at one point, and you can drive around, it's really bizarre because you can see where there was marinas and there was restaurants and there was all this activity surrounding this big, huge lake. And I think, and this is just long-term memory, I think it is that it spilled off from the Colorado River and filled it up. Um, and over the years, the lake has diminished in size. And in doing that, everything that supported it kind of, I think it's Brawley, California. Um, anyway, everything around it uh, kind of collapsed. And so there aren't even people living there. It's a big body of water. But the real problem is with the body of water is it's also polluted. There's a lot of farmland down there. So the runoff from them and their chemicals and everything have ended up in that water. But it's also a terrific geothermal area. And so they are starting, they built a bunch of power plants down there uh, to work off. And it's not typical geothermal. It's, it's something really bizarre in how they do it. There's a moral to my story. I'm wrapping it up. I promise. And that is there's lithium in there. For the batteries. For the batteries. Yeah. And so uh, Berkshire Hathaway is involved. They have uh, energy plants down there. And now they're heading toward the development of extracting that lithium uh, from that mud because it really is just mud. And um, I believe it said they could supply 40% of our lithium demand annually um, very quickly. Well, so they're, they're working toward that. It'll create jobs and all kinds of stuff down there. So we've got a lot of resources here um, in the United States that we can draw from. And that one has an upside because as they go through, they'll also uh, do some cleanup and 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 change the environmental uh, program down there, but um, so we, we're not we're not totally in the dark on all that stuff. It's the idea is those we're going to produce the power in order to make the uh, to charge the batteries. Well, that's a positive way to end the show because we, that's something positive that we could have. For Thank some you, Greg. Mud oh, in I'm California. Positive. That's, that's why I got up this morning. That's Thanks. right. There, well, uh, uh, there it is. Yeah. Please like, subscribe, and share. And as in the last podcast, Greg Hood smartly said, leave comments. Yeah, we want to hear from you. It's what's good under the hood. Greg Hood of Mazda of Columbia, Make Rob sure Sanders. Put, put happy birthday in there because, will this podcast be afterwards? Yeah. yeah. After. Say so anyway, Andy's going to be 97. <laughs> not so, bad for 97. Not bad. You're looking good. What's good under the hood? Thanks for joining us today.